Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. I told John it's been a while since we have been here to share in this way. And yet it is joy to, to get together to fellowship, to preach God's word. And uh, it's a responsibility that I, that I feel. And yet it's a privilege because we have an awesome privilege to be able to worship an almighty God that he is, he's preserved his word for us. He's given us examples. He's given us instruction. But he's also given us people that help us along life's way. Sometimes we are uh, asked to do some things that maybe we don't always feel the most comfortable doing. And I'm going to, I wanted to look at the book of Jonah a little bit this morning. This is, am I willing to serve where I am called? And you know, we started, we, we started working on this church. Joe, do you remember when we started working on this church? It was like, um, March, do you remember when we started working on the church here? Was it two years? Two years ago. Two and a half? Something like that. I can't remember exactly. But I remember walking into this building and seeing all the work that needed to be done. But even in that, as we saw the workers pour in the doors to do whatever it took to get this building up and running so that we could have that first service on that Easter morning. And there was a band of fellowship that pulled together to do that. But you know what? It didn't just happen because, hey, we're working today. It happened because people called and said, can you come? Can you do this? Can you, can you help with this? And so many people were willing to come, willing to do what they were asked to do. But as we think about this book of Jonah... I wanted to give just a little bit of a background of the city geography of Nineveh. The book of Jonah was set in the days of the Assyrian Empire. It was described, uh, this Nineveh was described as an exceedingly great city, three days journey in, in breadth. The population, I think the, the estimated population known at that time was more than 120,000 people. I don't know what to compare that to with here today. But it was a flourishing capital of the Assyrian Empire. The book of Jonah depicts Nineveh as a wicked city. It was a city that was worthy for God, for God's judgment, for his destruction. And when God sent Jonah to preach to the Ninevites of the coming destruction, they responded to that. And they repented. And as a result, God spared that city. We see a little bit later on Jonah's protests against this and God told him that he is showing mercy. And we talked about that this morning in our Sunday school lesson. Showing mercy. He said he was showing mercy to an ignorant people that didn't know the difference between right and wrong. And he was also showing mercy for dumb animals. And that is very interesting to me. The remains of the ancient city of Nineveh are located on a level plain close to the Tigris River. It's within an area encircled by a seven and a half mile wall. 
and I think it consists of approximately 1,900 acres inside of this wall. This space also has some new suburbs cropping up around it, and this this is in the city of Mosul. Okay, And we've heard that name, Mosul, in the news. There have been some people that have gone over there to work. But Mosul is a major city in northern Iraq. It's located about 250 miles north of Baghdad. Mosul stands to the west side of the Tigris River. Yeah, the west, my side, yours, that way. Nineveh was an important intersection for commercial routes uh, crossing the Tigris on the great highway between the Mediterranean Sea and then the Indian Ocean. And it became one of the greatest regions, ancient cities. Now, I don't know if you know what the geography is like in the Middle East, but if you think about Israel being on the east, and then as you go further west, I think, no, I should go further east. If you go further east, then you're going to run into Mesopotamia, and Iraq, and if you go south, if you all remember the Persian Gulf War, Kuwait was invaded, and that was right down next to the Persian Gulf. Egypt, I mean, I'm sorry, Iraq was north of that just a little bit. We think about the Tigris River as being a part of um, where the Garden of Eden was. And so many scholars think or say that they think that the Garden of Eden would have been located somewhere in Iraq, they say close to Baghdad. I'm not sure. But looking at this book of Jonah, as we look at this book, we often have the storybook picture in our head of this little boat tossing on the waves, okay, of him running from. We think about this, uh, we think about this great whale or great, yeah, we usually think about a whale, or at least I do, of this great whale down under the depths, and we think of these men fussing a little bit and trying to decide what to do. But I want you to think about this. This was a real-life happening. Just as sure as you're sitting in this bench here this morning, God's Word is true, and these examples are given to us to show us history, to show us people, to show us how we are just like they, to show us that that we face similar circumstances, maybe not getting thrown off of a ship and being swallowed by a whale or a big fish, but sometimes it feels like that. Let's read in the book of Jonah. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. Cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I want to stop there just a little bit. Jonah, a called person of God. God called him. It said the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, get up, I want you to go to this city, this great city, and cry against it for their wickedness 
is come up before me. Now, I don't know what the relationship was with the Hebrews and the Ninevites, but we know that these people were mostly to be utter, utterly destroyed. Or, and, and so I would imagine that there was some animosity there. But it says Jonah, he rose, but he didn't rise to the calling of God. It says in verse 3, it says, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It says that he purposely ran away. He intentionally went to Joppa. He intentionally found a ship headed away from Nineveh and he knowingly paid that fare to get away from God's call on his life. Now again, I want to refer back. Many of us are called to do some things in life that are not very comfortable. And I say that to to myself. I enjoy studying but I'm not real cracked about preaching. And so I would much rather study and learn and listen to someone else preach. But you know what? God has called, and I want to do what I can for His glory, not for mine. But has God called you to a specific area or something for you to do that may not be comfortable? Probably many times God calls us to do some things that are not comfortable. Are you going to be like Jonah? Are you going to be like him who purposely rose like God told him to, but instead of going where God told him to go, he went in the opposite direction? Jonah was a man of flesh and blood, just like you and I. He was called to do something that to himself seemed, ah, I don't want to do this. God may not be calling you to do some great work like preach to a whole city of people that the city would be destroyed, but most likely God is calling you to just simple obedience. Simple yet profound obedience to Him and His Word. And are you willing to follow that obedient call from God on your life. Verse 4, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Now, I want you to picture with me these mariners. These guys, to me, were not squirrely little guys with, you know, wimpy little fellows. I would not picture that in my mind. I would picture big, brawny, strong men that have tough, weathered skin, that have been out there and have ridden those ships and weathered those storms many times. And if they didn't have the fortitude to stay on that ship in the storm's past, they probably, when they got back to port, would have abandoned ship, gone to find another job. But it says these mariners were afraid. And it says, and cried every man unto his God. Picture these big strong men in this tempest crying out 
God help me. God help me. Whatever God they referred to. And then I can also picture these men doing everything that they possibly can within their own strength to rescue this ship. It says that they cried to their gods. And then it says that they cast the stuff, the wares, the kegs, the baskets, the boxes, whatever that that they had that they were transporting on the sea, they cast it so that it would lighten the ship. Now I want you to picture, if you will, Jonah. Jonah was running from God. And it says, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. We see in the actions of these mariners some pretty serious action. But what do we see in Jonah? We see him sleeping. How could you sleep in a storm in a ship that's being tossed so badly that these mariners are afraid and crying out to their gods and throwing stuff overboard to lighten the load and this ship they fear is going to break up and sink and Jonah is sleeping down inside of the ship. How could that be? Jonah, to me, had to be an exhausted being. Running from God, to me, as I look back in my life, as I look at some of the things that God has called me to do, some of the times, sometimes I didn't want to do them. And so I was like Jonah, looking for a ship to Tarshish. But you know, even, at that, in the, even during those times, and even those times where there was weight of sin, of disobedience in my life, there was a heavy weight upon me. And I know that many of you all have experienced the same things. When we disobey God, there is a weight that weighs in upon us. It says, I want you to turn it with me, if you will, to Psalms. Psalm 32, verse 3 and 4. I'm sorry, verse 2, uh, two 3 and 4. It says in verse 2 of Psalm 32, Blessed is a man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. But listen to what this man was suffering through. David was suffering. It says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thine hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. What is that man experiencing? He is experiencing the weight of sin, of running, of disobedience. And if we look at Psalm 38, it says there, also a Psalm of David, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me with thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, thy hand presses me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and a heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Can't you picture 
Jonah running from God and feeling the, pres- the, the pressure of disobedience and feeling this pressure of the Almighty God on him to, hey, mend your ways, Jonah. I've asked you to do this. Why are you running? And in that Holy Spirit working in our lives, we feel that condemnation. But it doesn't have to be so. In verse 6, it says, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know whose cause, for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Now, you know, I think of rolling the dice. Roll a six. Roll a four. And I don't know how these men cast this lot. I don't know if they threw short sticks, long sticks. I don't know if they had a book and picked a paper out of it like we do for our ordinations. I don't know how they cast those lots. But the matter of fact is that they knew that something was wrong and it says so they cast the lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now I can imagine this this group of men, swarthy, strong sailors, Jonah with sleep in his eyes, coming up and them throwing this lot and the lot points to Jonah. And I can see all of those men looking at the lot and then looking up at Jonah and saying, what's up? What's up? And then they said unto him, tell us we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? So they were firing a bunch of questions at Jonah. Jonah was already feeling oppression, feeling the pressure of God by running away and being exhausted in his his own being. And again, my imagination runs wild. But you know, Jonah was a man, just like you and I, flesh and blood, called and being called, responding in obedience or not. And here he was, being questioned. Verse 9 it says, And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. That was a very simple testimony. What is your testimony? They asked him some questions, and he answered their questions with a very Simple, concise testimony. He said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea that is rough and about to sink this ship and the dry land. But his testimony spoke to those men. And it says in verse 10, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because He had told it. You know, to me, it's very interesting how people know what is right. 
Even people that are not living in obedience to what we think Scripture truly says, people know what is right and what is what, how we are supposed to act and live. I've often heard it say that if you want to know how Christians should act and treat people, ask someone that's not a Christian. Or maybe someone that's been mistreated by someone else that claims to be Christ, a, a Christian. And they will soon tell you how a Christian should act. They're not supposed to steal. They're not supposed to lie. They're not supposed to mistreat people. They're supposed to be kind. And so many other things that we see in Scripture is recognized by people all over. These men were seamen. But they knew from what Jonah had told them that he, that Jonah, had been the one that messed up and needed to take care of this issue in in his life. They also knew that they could help with this issue if need be. Verse 11 says, And they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea was wrought and tempestuous. And he said, Jonah, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Jonah said, all you have to do is throw me overboard. These men were saying, what should we do to help? And Jonah said, throw me overboard. But in spite of what Jonah told them, they tried their best to use the strength, the knowledge, the abilities that God had given them to save that ship, and even to save Jonah and his life. They tried their hardest to use their strength, their knowledge, their experience. And I'm sure that they have plenty, plenty of each. It says in verse 13, Nevertheless, even after Jonah had told them this, he said, they said, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. They worked their tails off to try to rescue this ship, to try to keep from having to throw Jonah overboard. But it says they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. These men had struggled, they had done their hard, they had worked their hardest, and they were at the end of the rope. They didn't know what else to do. And they knew that God Almighty was in control. And it says that they cried to the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish because of what he has done. And lay not his blood on us. So the last resort was to do what Jonah said. Toss me over. Now I don't know how these men would have gone about tossing Jonah overboard. Because if you want to picture in your mind 
We don't have a, we, we don't have a calm setting here. We have a ship that's rocking from side to side, probably. We have torrents of rain coming down and wind. We have waves washing probably across the boat, the deck. And we see this conversation going back and forth. These men fearing and yet trying to do their best and coming to the end of their rope, crying out to God. But then in the end, it says, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. This storm tossing this boat back and forth, water, waves coming across, rain coming down, tossing Jonah out of the boat, and all of a sudden, smooth sailing. Now, I don't know if the sun came out, but it says the sea ceased from her raging. And then in verse 16, says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. God called Jonah for a specific purpose, and that was to go to Nineveh. He went the other way. Did God have a plan in this for these sailors? We don't know what happened to these sailors after this. But God called Jonah for a specific purpose. And he was told to carry a message to a wicked people, a message of imminent danger. The city of Nineveh was to be destroyed. All the inhabitants would perish. 120 men, women, and children. The wicked and the innocent were to be destroyed. Why did Jonah run away from something like that? Why did Jonah, in disobedience, turn from doing specifically what God asked to going an opposite direction? Didn't he care about the people in this city of Nineveh? Jonah's flight away from Nineveh not only affected him, but it endangered other people. Not only did it endanger the people in the city of Nineveh, 120,000 plus people, but it endangered the whole ship's crew. And it was to affect possibly the rest of their families because dad wasn't going to come home if this ship sank. Didn't he care? It didn't just affect him, but it endangered many others. And yet God used this experience on this ship to speak to these men, these rough, rowdy, tough men. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That is impossible. Even with some of the largest fishes, that seems impossible. Was it a whale? Was it a great fish? What was it that God had prepared for Jonah? We don't really know. And yet, the impossible was possible with God. 
Do we believe that? Do I believe that? And that's a challenge that I face daily. Do I believe what God says? Even when something that is so incredibly impossible becomes possible with God. Verse 1 of chapter 2 in Jonah. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Jonah prayed. Did God hear? Jonah was running from God. In disobedience from God. Does God hear us when we pray? When we're running from Him in disobedience? Maybe when we get to the end of our rope. Maybe when we come to the point of repentance. Maybe when we come to the point where we recognize, oh no, this is it for me. God, can you help me? Because often we are like Jonah. We are heading in the opposite direction. We are in control of our destiny and we're making things happen. And it wasn't until Jonah was blooped into the sea that that was the end of the rope for him. And he knew it. And yet God had prepared this fish. And when Jonah was swallowed up by this fish, there was no way out. Verse 10 of Jonah 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. That is incredible. I just cannot imagine Jonah floating, sinking into the ocean and it says that there was seaweed wrapped around his head. I, can, I just can't imagine him sinking into the ocean and all of a sudden here comes this big fish. Bloop. Swims around for three days, three nights. And then goes bloop, up on the shore or wherever it was. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Jonah, second shift. Here it is again. The second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now listen. Jonah was taken to the woodshed. And I think he learned his lesson in the woodshed, in the belly of that whale. And it says, And so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Do you think he was looking forward to that? No. I don't think he was looking forward to that. I think he still had the same feelings he did when God first called him. But he knew that to disobey was not going to be a pretty story for himself again. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Think about it, folks. We look around the city of Harrisonburg. We look about around our communities of Sangerville and Mount Crawford and wherever we are, Broadway, Elkton, the different places that we live. And we see a mass of humanity out there. And we know that one day Jesus is coming again. And He's coming to claim those that have professed Him as Lord of their life. Are we crying out? And I say that to myself. 
am I crying out and warning those people that I come in contact on a daily basis? Am I reaching out with some of the, for instances, that God has put in my life or the people that I meet? It says in verse 5, Jonah carried the message. And so the people of Nineveh believed God. You know what? That would have, he didn't have to hand out tracts. He didn't have to hand out CDs. He didn't have to go and sing. He just walked through the city and said, in 40 days, this place is going to be destroyed. And the people believed God. God was preparing those people. No doubt in my mind. Jonah just needed to do his part. He needed to go where he was called. He needed to be willing to serve where he was called. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. A sackcloth is a loose, coarse, woven fabric. In this case, it was usually made of some types of goat's hair. It was mainly worn as a token of mourning by the Israelites. It was a sign of submission or grief, self-humiliation. And it was occasionally worn rough clothes by prophets. To me, when I picture something like sackcloth, I think of a burlap sack. A bag. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a burlap sack against your body or your arms, but it is prickly and sticky and itchy. These people believed God and they put on this sackcloth. And it says in verse 6 For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Now three days without water is a long time for man or animal. And I know that when we don't get water to our cattle, to our chickens, to our, our turkeys, there something happens within that bird, and they, a bird or animal, and they soon let us know that they need something to drink. And I can picture in my brain the sound, picture in my ear, the sound of a house full of turkeys without water for an extended period of time because they make a certain high-pitched chirping sound. It's something that I learned through years of experience. But when I hear that sound, I know immediately what is wrong going on in that, in that building. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from His fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. This message 
was very clear to the Ninevites. The Ninevites very clearly responded to that message. When Jonah preached to the people, the warning worked. And the people turned. Because the king, from the king all the way down to the beasts, they were asked to fast. And in spite of Jonah not wanting to go to preach to the Ninevites, when he did go, even unwillingly, I would still presume that he was still somewhat unwilling because we see later on, he said, God, I knew that you were going to grant him mercy. I knew that you were going to forgive him. I knew that you weren't going to bring this upon him. In spite of Jonah not wanting to go preach, when he did go, a great work happened. Do you believe that that can happen? I know that if, if you were driving home to your home community today and you drove by someone's house and you saw a fire starting up in that house, I doubt if many of you all would just drive on down the road and think, ah, it's no big deal. I would imagine that many of you all, if you would see that fire starting in a house, you would stop or you would call or you would do whatever you could to warn the people, the neighbors, whoever was in that building, that there was, a, there was a fire starting. Folks, we know. And I referred to it earlier. Christ is coming. And He will bring with Him judgment for deeds good, good done, for good deeds done and for evil deeds. And we as Christians are called to minister somewhere, somehow, to someone. And it may be one person in your life. But whatever that calling is, I encourage you, don't turn and run as Jonah did. And we look at him and we can somewhat be critical of him. But how would you fare? How would I fare? We are called to minister. We may be called to preach. We may be called to teach. We may be called to be a trustee. We may be called just to place this water glass right here. And this is something that's very small. And yet it's very needed. A very necessary or helpful part Some of us have been called to minister here in the city. But all of us are called to minister in our homes, in our communities. Are you willing to go where you are called to go? Are we willing to be used for the building of God's kingdom wherever God calls you to be? The places that we're asked to go, the things we're asked to do may not be pleasant. Life is not always a bed of roses. It may not be pleasant. It may not be fulfilling. But are we willing to give up our goals, our aspirations, our dreams for the kingdom of God, for Christ? Are we willing maybe not to get something done that we want to get done because 
we care for others. We don't under, always understand God's ways. And we look at this, this book of Jonah, and we see how Jonah ran, and then how he turned and preached, and how the people repented, and then we see how Jonah fussed at God for sparing these people. And we don't understand. And yet, maybe from those Ninevites, blood flowed down to you or myself. Maybe from one of those souls that were saved in that great city, we became a human being by ancestry. But we are called to serve. As Christ's disciples, we are called to serve whenever, however, wherever. Are we willing to do that? In Deuteronomy it says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall not drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is our rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, and just and right is He. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that called Jonah. That is the God that called Abraham and John the Baptist and the disciples. And He's calling each one of us today to serve Him, maybe in a tough spot. Am I willing to serve? Am I willing to build the kingdom? Am I willing to give up some of what I would like to happen in my life? for the glory of God. May God's name be blessed. May you be encouraged to be faithful. God bless you.